Untitled Beatles podcast. Uh, second sticks. <laughs> Three, two, one. Great Dennis DeYoung album. Second sticks. <laughs> second sticks. Well, welcome. Hi, TJ. Welcome to the Untitled Beatles podcast. How are you? Hi, Tony. I don't want to get weird, but I'd like to welcome you to the Untitled Beatles podcast. Oh, so on behalf you. of everyone at the Untitled Be- <laughs> Be- Beatles podcast, <laughs> we'll do it live. Yeah, do it live. Fuck it. Fuck it. <laughs> no, no problems with that piece of shit. Well, you know, our last few episodes have been real, like, heavy, meaning we did some deep dives into the 50th anniversaries of both all Things Must Pass and Plastic Ono Band. So we just like kind of went through those albums in their entirety. I thought like maybe this week we just go through the Beatles catalog and pick out one or two favorite moments from each album. You know, they don't necessarily need to be your favorite song. You know, it does, it's not your like the thing that makes you cry. Maybe it is, but it could be a little quirk or a little. <laughs> you you want to do. What now? Because I've been learning the Bad Boy album all week. Oh, I, no. Oh. I requested that Terry Hammert play Susie and the Banshees doing Monkey See, Monkey Do. And I got death threats afterwards. But not from Terry. But she played Terry's it. Terry's not violent. <laughs> she, she did play it. And that's why XRT's ratings are struggling a little bit in 2020. Love you, XRT. We'd kill to be on WXRT, maybe one day. You and I, were more MeTV FM. That's a new soft rock station since you left here. Have you heard of MeTV FM? Well, yeah, man. Actually, I have. Yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. It, it's like being high at your dentist's office in 1988. <laughs> I don't know what that means. But I think you do. Uh, that's and we'll good be right stuff. back. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I'm excited now. I might have misunderstood the assignment for real, though, because I did pick like the this moment makes me weep. This moment, this moment makes my bone phone ring. I pick like <laughs> indelible emotional moments. So oh, great. Great. You know, we'll 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 see where we go here. But I think we probably can both agree and we'll get it out. We're going to go in order. Yeah. But our mutual favorite Beatles song, maybe the best song they recorded is Run For Your Life. <laughs> no, it just sounds. <laughs> we to dog that. I have two copies of Revolver in front of. Oh, excuse me, I have Rubber Soul in front of me. So we'll 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 get to Rubber Soul momentarily. But yeah, yeah, I love your idea. You pitch this idea after these deep dives into these thick, heavy, wonderful albums. Yeah, let's let's plow through this, and we'll start. I mean, uh, you set up this category. I love everything about it. You want to start off with Please Please Me, the album, and yeah, the first album they ever recorded, recorded in one day. Yes. And uh, what's what's a favorite moment or two for you on that one, Tony? Okay. Well, like I said, mine are just kind of quirky and weird, I think. So <laughs> this will be fun. I can't wait. <laughs> Different homework, same result. It's all the same thing. I'll go quirky. I'll match your quirky for quirky. Well, I want to hear, I, I actually do, I want to hear the things that make, make your bone phone ring, TJ. <laughs> bone phone ringing, ladies. Better get an MCI calling card. Know what I mean? I'm old. If you were AT&T, you'd be scared of only one thing, me. All right. So one of my favorite moments is from the song Misery, and it comes the second time they say, send her back to me, and they decide to say, Send her. her back. It's a great one. <laughs> yeah, it's just fun. It shows that right off the top, these guys were kind of cheeky. They're going to do their own thing. They're not going to play it straight. They're going to kind of be peculiar. The Beatles, for the, being like the biggest band probably in our lifetime and several lifetimes to come. Uh, Coldplay, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a Coldplay riff. I tried. 
Coldplay. Cold cuts. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. Hot hits and Coldplay, the great unreleased <laughs> McCartney album. Well, they were like for being the biggest band in the world, they were they were weird. They were weird, peculiar people from a funny little town up north that no one really paid much attention to prior. So I, that's why I like these little things. It's little things like that. Shend her back to Shend me. Shend her back. That's a great one. And also the end, the kind of wallowing in self-pity, the yeah, 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 when they're writing it out. It's intentionally, it's not to be taken at face value. They're They're mocking the kind of teen angst of those songs that they grew up hearing a lot of in the 50s and the early 60s. Like without that, we'd have no Shanana, TJ. Without Shanana, there'd be no Greece. Without Greece, there'd be no Greece too. Without no Greece too, there'd be no Adrian's Med. Okay, I'll add a quirky moment to this song. Please Please Me, the title song of the album, I believe is my favorite Beatles song of all time. The last 30 seconds of Please Please Me have an excitement that I've never heard in any other song in recorded music. When they go through the chorus one final time, the riff comes back in. The When they're singing over that, and then come these power chords. E, G, C. B7E. You don't hear the C. There's a B, but no B7. And then when they resolve an E, that to me is one of the most powerful moments in recorded music. It, it's exciting. It's it's exu- it's the reason I I bag from me to you a lot because for me to you is a really good song. But please please me is my favorite and I think uh, the most energetic and exciting Beatles song with all the respect to She Loves You and I saw her standing there and a bunch of the other great early ones. Um, but there's a great moment in the stereo version, the quirk I've always loved. I never really heard the mono version until the CD came out in 87. Oh, wow. Because I only had it on um, uh, my stereo copy of the early Beatles is how I got to know Please Please Me. Oh, cool. And um, uh, John and Paul sing different lyrics. I know you and I know I why no you never and they're singing different words in the stereo version not the mono version and that's a fun beatles moment and you can't just call it you know lack of attention they even though as quickly as the album was recorded it was gone long enough for there to be overdubs so that it's an intentional mistake but it's a quirk and i've always loved it and it's one of the reasons i prefer the stereo version and another thing when they ride out that ending of please please me in stereo it never quite sounds matched. It's the left and right channels yeah, sound man. like a millisecond apart, and it's, yeah, it's fucking <laughs> cool. Last night I said these words to my girl. Why I Come on, 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 please, please. That's uh, that's definitely one of mine. The other favorite moment for me on um, the Please Please Me album is uh, There's a Place, which is the first uh, the first song recorded. They recorded the whole album in one day, as I'm sure anybody listening to this knows. And that was the first song they recorded. 
And it's this deep, introspective, psychological kind of dark song. And it's my mind uh, when I'm alone. There's a place where I can go. The thing John John's already trying to escape on the very first song the Beatles recorded um, mm. for that debut album. And that song's always kind of haunted me because lyrically and musically, it's different than so much else in that era and certainly the rest of that album. Yeah. Yeah, that's one that you've told me that like when you visit the Dakota building, you'll maybe put that song on sometimes. Is that right? Yeah, it's it's one of the obscure songs I try to... Or, uh, it's Beatle obscure. It's not Strawberry Fields or I'm the Walrus and the John Lennon Cannons, what I mean by obscure. But it's one that I listen to because... Uh, it, it it's always kind of connected me with John Lennon. It's one of the first songs when I was young uh, that really connected me to John. Yeah, and yeah, and it's yeah. one of the rare early departures from love songs. You know, so it's cool. Love as in like boy meets boy loves girl, girl loves boy, blah blah. Not the the weird uh, compilation album from the seventies, never released on CD. Love songs. <laughs> With that great Richard Avedon picture. (laughs) Is it great or because George and Ringo's heads are shrunk real tiny? (laughs) I like, hey, what can I say? I like a fisheye lens. Hey, man. Well, my other favorite part from Please yeah. Please Me is Ringo's squeaky bass drum pedal in Anna Go To Him. Also yeah. very deep and heavy. <laughs> and now, thanks to Tony, here it is. Yeah, but there's a lot of that going on. It also happens in the next album with uh, another with that same drum beat. It's, it's those quiet songs that really bring it out in uh, All I've Got To Do. And, uh, and you also hear it on like Zeppelin's Since I've Been Loving You. was a thing i guess and that you know that that gets me thinking a little bit about well why was there a squeaky bass drum and it's because when these records were made you couldn't hear it it, it wouldn't matter it, the, it got lost in the grooves of the of the lp but you know technology comes around and you can start hearing everything it, it it made me wonder if you know like in the 100th anniversary edition of revolver will we be able to hear like what george harrison had for lunch that day right. you know that's <laughs> right the remix of the remaster and a brand new remix of the original remaster and mono from the stereo remix master tapes yeah four thousand dollars <laughs> we're gonna hear inside their stomachs like you know right. what was that salisbury steak <laughs> churning in there. The Salisbury steak in McCartney's stomach on Here, There, and Everywhere inspired Peter Gabriel's Salisbury Hill. It was originally called Salisbury steak, and then Peter Gabriel's like, fuck, I'm a vegetarian. Even if I wasn't, and I like Salisbury, who likes Salisbury steak? I'm, I'm not eating a Swanson's dinner watching Benson. If I did, I'd have a Salisbury steak. That's what you did when, for all you young kids, when Benson was on, you ate a TV dinner with a Salisbury steak and peas with the fucking onions in them and little the, oh, yeah. overly bubbly apple, uh, like an apple dessert. I, I, we, we were a banquet family cause they were cheap. You could get those for like a dollar. You could eat dinner for a dollar. 
That's why we've all lost our minds. We were a Swanson's and Stouffer's family. Hey, divorced dad, what's for dinner tonight? Ooh, Stouffer's mac and cheese again? Cool. What do you got for with the Beatles? I think we should start with you because you've got like the the meaningful stuff, and I'm all like, "Oh, I like the uh, <laughs> the hair out of place on the <laughs> the cover of Beatles for Sale, the turn up haircut." If, if you listen and hold me tight, you hear a Ringo fart. There's some discussion <laughs> of whether or not it's George. It's clearly a Ringo fart. <laughs> all right, yeah. Uh, w- one of my favorite moments, and I would argue the best opener of any Beatles album. And I've probably said that about ten other songs, and that's fine. It won't be long. Yeah. The way that kicks off the album, what it says lyrically, what it says musically, and ending on that major seven chord. One of the reasons I think older people kind of fell in love with the Beatles as well as the kids where they were covering older people music. Uh, Till There Was You is on this album from The Music Man. Ending on a major seven is not something a lot of rock acts were doing in 63. Um, And that's the way it won't be long ends. And... uh, to me, the the descending chords in the verse, the the major minor push and pull, um, the harmonies on Yaz, uh, 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 not Yaz, who had the album upstairs at Eric's. Y a z, wow, Yaz <laughs> reference, our first Yaz reference. <laughs> Ah. The, uh, I'm a little embarrassed. I know that. I know the tape was on Warner <laughs> Brothers. I can remember the black tape, the the black label with the white W. Yeah, man. But yeah, so um, the won't be long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the harmonies, it's exuberant to me. It's it's arguably the best way they ever kicked off an album. With all due respect, to come together and back in the USSR and Taxman and Drive My Car and all. Every song's got a great opener. Some about this one. Uh, has always absolutely grabbed me. Yeah, it's a vocal beginning of an album, which they did. They did it a few times. One, two, three, five. This happened once before in the town where I was born. It won't be long, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It won't be long, yeah, 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 yeah. It won't be long, yeah, yeah, Even a hard day's night just has the chord, and then it's right into the vocal. There's no real intro; it's just that chord and hard day's night. So even that, yeah. If you got rid of that chord, it would it would start. Which just... they should have. <laughs> George Martin was okay, but if I've been producing the Beatles, you ditch the chord and you start with the bridge. I'm referring to Billy Joel's album, The Bridge. One, two, one, two, three, four. That's kind of a nice hour standing there homage, only Billy Joel had to douchebag sing it. I got the key right, I think it's in D. One, two, one, two, three, four. Billy, Get I love you. Get the key right. <laughs> Dude, TJ got a Billy Joel song from the 80s wrong. I'm going to have to trade him my piano card. Well, I have that song, It Won't Be Long, also on my list because I really dig how high in the mix that lead guitar is doing that riff, that descending riff. Yeah. And I'm sure that's George. When he does it twice in a row and then it hooks in with Paul's bass, there's something about that moment. I still love this song. I, I still feel this song. This song yeah. has not worn out on me. It's magical. It's it's one of those Beatles songs that is not a greatest hit, but is a goddamn greatest hit. Yeah. 
also have as a favorite moment on this record the piano solo on Not a Second Time. Ah, oh, I have that too. Do you? Yeah. Yes. That's so great. That's and that to me, that to me is the very first Beatles song that becomes interesting. And what I mean by interesting is that it's not a hit. The chord progression is strange. I don't know. There's something about this song. The tempo's weird. Is that right? Everything's a little weird. Everything it's 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 kind of it's a little sluggish and push and pulley. It's very early Ringo. If you were to metronome it, you couldn't. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's something about that song, Not a Second Time. It's and it, you know, it's buried. It's the second to last song on the record. It doesn't have like a hook, but it's I like the cyclical nature of it. There's something about that song I find hypnotic and anyway, that they put on that low octave piano solo is groovy. And it's even done. It's got kind of that loungy. Yeah. Couple bum notes in there, but I—it's from memory. I'll, I'll take it. It's cool. And Ringo's drumming. Ringo's drumming in that. That's what. Maybe tempo shifts is not what I meant. It just—it's very herky jerky. Um, there's actually a little. It's got a little bit in common with Devil in Her Heart. Yeah. With kind of the Ringo's drumming's both propulsive and pulls back. That's what he was so great at, right? He'd push forward, but then kind of pull back at the right moments. He's very emotional drumming. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely think that Ringo expressed himself through those drums, perhaps most clearly. Yeah, and that's something Pete Best certainly couldn't do. I mean, the only other person who could do it is what's his nuts who filled in in Sweden, <laughs> Jimmy Nickel. <laughs> Jimmy Nickel, I can't remember his name. I keep wanting to call him Andy White, but that's not. That's Mister Love Me Do. Jimmy Nickel. You know, he inspired uh, getting better. Jimmy Nickel did. Yeah, yeah, that was like one of his expressions or something like that. I never knew that. Good thing the Beatles paid him seventy pounds to do a few shows and never heard from him again. Then he owned a chain of hair salons. <laughs> You're wrong, Jimmy. Whether you find it difficult to take over the role of Ringo? Uh, no, not really. No. <laughs> How is Ringo, by the way? He's he's getting, I think he's getting better. Yeah. I'm going to cheat with another favorite moment of mine. As great of a song as All My Loving is, I want to cheat for a second and say what always sticks in my head, the one I want to hear, is the Ed Sullivan version. It's so fast. Yeah. All My Loving is a song that kicked off the Beatles' first appearance on Ed Sullivan. And it's so fast, but my favorite moment of that, Tony, that you only get on those early live performances is, on the record, Paul McCartney is double-tracking himself and his own harmonies. Right. Live, it's George Harrison singing those, those harmonies. And it's so cool to hear Paul and George harmonize on the final, close your eyes and I'll kiss you when they go back for the final verse. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the song All My Loving in itself is top drawer, classic Beatles, but the Ed Sullivan version in particular has always just just wowed my senses with the energy and exuberance. Those Sullivan performances are great. And, and what I love about it is you can tell how wowed they are by the reception. It's it's the They, they would play DC the following night, oh, but it's their first live performance that. in America was on Ed Sullivan. So... Unlike playing in, in D.C. or at Chase Stadium later that year, all that, 
the CBS studio where where Letterman uh, was for yeah. so many years, and and now is Colbert, of course. Yeah, the Beatles played to screaming fans, but in an enclosed studio, so it's the best early live Beatles you can find. With all due respect to Hollywood Bowl, because it's their first time playing in America, and they kick off with that song, and it's just great. Close your eyes and I'll kiss you. Hard Day's Night. Never heard of it. Next. <laughs> Such a great album. Every song on this album is great. I, I I often say this is my number two or three favorite Beatles album. There's no, oh, it's it, great. It's all originals, and there's not a bum song on the whole thing. Yeah, it's definitely my favorite early album. Um, do you have a favorite moment from it or two? Uh, I do. Uh, the uh, A song I've just always loved that uh, John and Paul wrote for George to sing is I'm Happy Just to Dance With You. It's just Love an all-time favorite. Um, the O's, the John and Paul harmonies, they're like always three or four minor O's in a minute, and then it always resolves in this kind of almost orgasmic major key O, both in the choruses and to end the song. It's such a yeah. great... It's such a great hybrid of minor and a major resolution, letting the harmonies guard that, uh, excuse me, letting the harmonies guide that resolution. It's just so wonderful to me. And by the way, it was a single, the B side of the Beatles movie medley from 1982. So I'm happy just to dance with you. 18 years later, did make it as a single because they couldn't get legal rights for Fab Four on film. If somebody tries to take my place. I've always liked in And I Love Her, when they go to the guitar solo, that it goes up a, a half a step in, in key. They, they do a rare key change. Yeah, they modulate. And I love her. I love how they use it. They use it into the solo. I think that's just a really smart way to use a key change. It doesn't feel cloying or it doesn't feel Manilow, which I love Manilow key changes. Don't get me wrong, but they're not forcing anything on us. 
we get to feel that key change normally. And the guitar solos played so exquisitely. Yeah, and that's George. Yeah, that's that's George playing that kind of Spanish styled guitar, and it. Uh, it just makes it, it. Have you heard the uh, electric version of it when they were workshopping it? There's a version of it that's a little bit more of a driving electric guitar version, and again, it shows you the taste that the Beatles and George Martin had to scrap that and go with this delicate acoustic ballad that in the Beatles' hands never sounds wimpy. Another favorite of mine is another piano one. Uh, the piano solo in any time at all yeah. is one of my favorites. That song in general with the hard stops, it's almost a precursor don't, yeah. to Don't Let Me Down. Ringo gives oh. a huge kind of... That's cool. And it's time for John to come in singing. It's it's not a cymbal crash, but it's Ringo giving a thud on the floor tom and the bass and maybe the snare um, just to kind of give a huge thud before John comes in to sing. And then they have this piano solo that feels like it's never going to build and then explodes in back into the chorus again. I love that song. Crack. That's that's a great. That's all. I've just always loved that one. That's a great solo. Yeah, that's a great moment. I almost had that listed. I almost listed that. I dig in. Tell me why. I love that part where they start singing in a falsetto. They're like singing in drag, and it's so in the red. Like you have. I still don't know what they're saying. <laughs> So great. There's something about that song in particular. I think it might be the most lo-fi sounding official Beatles recording. Uh, there's something real punk or garagey about it, even though they're trying to do doo-wop girl band stuff. And it's fun. Totally. It's it's mixed super hot, which I've always loved. And um, you're right. It's I mean, all John Lennon wanted to write back then were black girl group songs. Yeah, I mean that—that's what like that's what that's what when I get home. I mean, he would just—they were all so influenced by black music, and that's what John wanted to write. Tell me why was was the same thing. I mean, they were just writing these songs that they wanted to hear the Supremes sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool. Yeah, they were like commissioned demos for Motown in a way. Another favorite moment of mine that I think you'll appreciate, Tony, the edit in the mono capital version of I'll Cry Instead that lengthens the song. (laughs) That's what I grew up hearing. It's a sloppy edit when they go back to the first verse to lengthen it by 30 seconds. It's so sloppy. (laughs) But I've always loved it. It makes me giggle. And I'm like, okay, it's a great verse. I'll hear it again. They could have put a guitar solo in the song, you know, if they wanted to make it longer. But, you know, it's what it is. It's I think it clocks at like 145 or something without it. Yeah. And then it's like 211 or something with the uh, <laughs> with, with the editing of the first verse. But 
but it, I've always I've I've loved that one because it's it's a great song. It's it's here. It's fun to hear that verse again, and also the edit sloppy, and that's kind of fun too. Yeah, man. Well, in Beatles for Sale, I've always enjoyed the organ solo on Mr. Moonlight. Uh, you're a huge Mr. <laughs> Moonlight guy. I am. I like Mr. Moonlight. It's a weird song. It, I'm glad it made it. I know. I know, everybody. No, I know that uh, Leave Your Alone should have been the song. Leave My Kitten Alone? That's a great one. Well, that, yeah. ki- that, that was one of the uh, revelatory anthology songs when that came out, finally. Yeah, I don't know why that one didn't make it if they're going to do a cover or whatever, but... I'm glad that Mr. Moonlight made it and that they didn't use that funny guitar solo that I think that's how they played it in Hamburg. Uh, right. You hear it on the anthology. I think they put it in there, but I'm so glad that they ended up with. I, I just love the sound of an organ. So, hey, that's me, man. It's so funny because it's so like loungy, which I love. It kind of totally. It's such a nice loungy moment. That's other one. Ringo's hard hits, his hard hits on the drums, kind of help John come back in a lot. Those stops, which I think is kind of that's what was cool. Ringo knew. Ringo knew about the dynamics of the drums. He knew, and he could hit hard when when the song needed it and he could also hit it real soft too like on here there and everywhere or your mother should know or whatever like yeah the dude was i'm 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 really glad that that old trope about him being like not a good drummer has been uh what do you call it debunked we've already talked about the who and led zeppelin on on the show today and it's with all due respect to two of the greatest drummers who've ever lived Keith Moon and John Bonham and a lot of the drummers of that ilk didn't help the Ringo's great cause because it was a lot of thundering, incredibly proficient uh, thrashing and rocking out. And that's something that Ringo just didn't do. Ringo wasn't showy. I mean, the understated drum solo on the end um, is about, you know, I mean, of course, Ticket to Ride and Rain and some of the other virtual, quote unquote, virtuoso Ringo performances. But I think the 70s rock drummers kind of unwittingly made people's estimation of Ringo go down a notch, which is not fair because again, I, I, I don't want Ringo and Zeppelin and I don't want John Bonham and the Beatles. They can both be amazing drummers. They have different styles and different tastes. Yeah. Yeah. They both, all those drummers suited the projects they were, you know, a part of Charlie Watts too. Charlie Watts was, is amazing. Yeah. Charlie Watts is great. Very different drummer than Ringo. Very different, more metronome. But still great. He's got some funny fills. Like I like some of his strange fills and those, especially those mid '60s, like uh, Dandelion and stuff like that. Yeah, and Charlie Watts could swing. He and Ringo both sw- would swing very differently, but they're two of the great swinging backbeat drummers in rock history. Well, Charlie always wanted he wanted to be in a jazz combo, and in fact, he has one. I'm I think so. Yeah, that was his. Deal. I think Paul Schaefer's played organ for it. <laughs> Is that right? Did Charlie Charlie Watts play drums on on the radio? Not on the radio. What was <laughs> no, that's yeah. When the radio's on, right? Isn't that the, stupid <laughs> song? Coast to coast. <laughs> Talk about a cutout bin record, <laughs> dude. That album was distributed with a whole bunch in it. Listening to my radio. Down the block, to the corner, can't hear it all night long. Don't 
Drill a hole in the cassette tape. I have it though. I have it on CD. <laughs> You're the one. Congratulations. I, I, for, I forgot who released it. That might have been MCA or something, but was somebody was like, now here's a good idea. Yeah, it was a major label. It was label. a major yeah, label. <laughs> Um, well, what, what what about Beatles for Sale? What do you like? Uh, for me, Beatles for Sale, the timpani and every little thing I've always loved. Ah, that's on my list, too. Every little thing she does, she does for me, yeah. And you know the thing she does, she does for me, ooh. It just shows you how as they were experimenting and kind of pushing the envelope in their fourth album, after finally going back to some covers, they were exhausted. Uh, by the time they recorded this in 64, they were done. They were spent from touring all year, making the Hard Day's Night movie. Um, but they were still relentless. I actually think the first three songs in Beatles for Sale are among the best three songs to open a Beatles album. No Reply, I'm a Loser, Babies in Black. And the second side is super underrated. So along the lines of the second side, I love the timpani and every little thing. And I love the the drum that sounds like a timpani, but it isn't the heavy use of the bass drum and what you're doing is one of my favorites as well. Yeah. I have the drum intro from what you're doing is one of my favorite things. And while we're on Ringo, I also love in honey don't the second time we do the, uh, the George solos, he says, uh, I'll rock on George for Ringo one time. I love he says his own name. That's, I've always loved that. That's a fun, fun moment for me. And George's Carl Perkins note perfect solo on that on Honey Don't so good too. George just shows his versatility in playing that style, aping Carl Perkins, but also making it his own at the same time, which isn't easy. Carl Harrison. C- Carl Harrison, that's right. <laughs> well, while, while we're on George uh, and moving to help, one of my this is just a little it's a musician thing I don't know what but in his song I need you in the in the is that the bridge the part where he says um you don't want my loving anymore It's a bridge that's when it hurt me Yeah before he goes into that's what it hurt me he's in A and it goes to D but between there he throws in a little A augmented in there It's real it's only like a beat and a half but I love it and you hear it on that guitar with the volume pedal but when you told me you don't want my loving anymore, that's when it hurt me. I, there's something about that I just love. I must, I'm a sucker for augmented chords. So. Well, and I love it too, and that's on my list too, Tony, because the volume pedals always mesmerize me. I've been mesmerized yeah. by that song for decades. Yeah, it, totally underrated, underrated song. I know it doesn't like do a lot, but as a song and what it makes you feel. If it's still, you know, mystifying you or whatever, what's the word I'm looking for? But if it's still making your bone phone ring. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. My bone phone, I keep mine on vibrate. But. But I'm married. My bone phone's on silence. <laughs> Mary jokes. Mary jokes. Tonight at the Up Comedy Club. <laughs> Women are from Venus. You're gonna lose that girl. Yes, yes, you're gonna lose that girl. You're gonna lose. Yes, yes, you're gonna that lose girl. that girl. If you don't take her out tonight, she's gonna change her mind. A favorite song 
of mine has always been you're going to lose that girl. Yeah. And it's got some of the best harmonies. What I've always loved is in the same verse, put the Paul and George backing, John sings, you're going to find her gone. And George and Paul repeat it. And then John sings, you'll be the lonely one. And John and Paul sing, you're not the only one. They set up the the verbatim repeat gag, and then they come up with the commentary, which is just so... Uh, it's not novel. A lot of 50 songs, nearly 60 songs, were doing the call and response, too. But there's almost a cool misdirect accompanied with these incredible harmonies uh, that, uh, that, that, that sound like the echo to John and then the heightened commentary of John from the harmonies that I've always found fucking stunning. Yeah, that's a great moment. And there's a similar thing that happens in the night before with the backing vocals. They usually say, ah, the night before, but the very last one, I want to say it's John. I feel like this is a John thing, but maybe it's a George thing. But one of them says as the night before there's a little S sound in there. That's right. That I just think is great. It's a, it's those little quirks or whatever that I just dig a lot. Yeah, and uh, some of those have been scrubbed out from history. I know we're not up to um, Day Tripper yet, but the CD reissues of Day Tripper, and we just passed a hard day's night. But the CD reissue of of um, uh, uh, should have known better repair some of the quirks. There was a mm. dropped harmonica note oh, in right. the original should have known better yep. that they added in, for the 09 remasters. Right, and same with. Uh, the tambourine drops out for a beat in the original Day Tripper, and for the 09 remasters, they restored it. And that's fucking with history a little bit. That's what's so tricky about some of the reissues yeah. and the remasters is... Now, on the Capitol albums, Capitol did get some things wrong with replicating the original 60s stuff, but Capitol, I'm pretty sure, left in the cork in Day Tripper on the Yesterday and Today Capitol CD reissue. Oh, cool. Yeah, the other thing about You're Gonna Lose That Girl, that's one we talk a lot in the show about the remixes, all the, the 5.1 remixes of, of uh, Abbey Row and Let It Be's coming next year. This whole album, but this song especially with those harmonies and Ringo going nuts on the bongos. I read a great article from some CD review or digital audio from the late 80s that reviewed this. And there's a quote from George Harrison saying he couldn't believe how loud the bongos were when he heard the CD. <laughs> George like, I wish we'd done something about that. <laughs> They're pretty high in the mix, but I like them. <laughs> I do, too. It's part of the, the allure of the song. And just so everyone's on the same page, I'm sure we've talked about this in the show before, but if you buy Help or Rubber Soul on CD, whether it's the original CDs or the remasters, you're getting remixes George Martin prepared in the mid-late 80s for the original CD reissues, and the Beatles catalog has stuck with them and called them the official ones. So Help and Rubber Soul on CD or on iTunes, wherever you get it from, are not the originals from 65. They're the George Martin 87 remixes, which I've always found interesting there because I didn't have much of a life. <laughs> so I just, that's the shit I was into. Well, let's move on to Rubber Soul. Now, you've got two copies of Rubber Soul, TJ, of course, the uh, UK version, but then the American version, which is vastly different, and I think we agree on this, superior. 
Yeah, it's tough to say the word superior without feeling a little bit dirty. It is because the British one is so great, but the American one, which does lose some key tracks, like there's no Nowhere Man on the American version. There's no What Goes On for all you Ringo heads. Um, (laughs) Please welcome Ringo and the Roundheads. We had to do a show on Mark Hudson. Ringo was like, he loved Mark Hudson because Mark Hudson tried to just keep Ringo planted in 66. Then after a while, Ringo was like, fuck. This I don't want to work with you anymore, Holmes. Uh, peace and love, go fuck yourself. I'm warning you with peace and love. Get, get out of here. Um, but yeah, uh, my thought on this, Tony, is uh, I'm going to go ahead and say my favorite moment on Rubber Soul is all of Rubber Soul. I mean, Whoa. again, I'm, 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 I'm kind of, uh, maybe all minus run for your life a little bit. Uh, Cause that's the only one that's always felt inessential. Like run for your life is not a terrible song. But on the American version, it comes after Wait. On the British version, it comes after If I Needed Someone, which are both far superior songs. It does feel like this is not the strongest album closer Yeah. Uh, for what I believe is their very best album. And, I mean, if I have to, I have to boil it down to just a couple, uh, I keep writing down all of it. But I think the most underrated song on here, The Word... Uh, it's the word best sounds like when you say the words rubber soul and then you hear the word, that's what it sounds like. It sounds like rubber soul. It's soul and British pop and sixties optimism. It's everything rolled into one song. It sounds like sunshine. It sounds like springtime. The piano intro is quick and curt. It's a little like drive my car where it's, it's, it's not, it's almost too clean, but in a great British 60s efficient way. The George Martin harmonium slicing through the end of the song. Yeah. I, I think the word in its entirety gets lost when you think of all the other great songs on here. So one of my favorite moments on an album that's my favorite Beatle moment is the word. It's Yeah, that harmonium is high in the mix, man. Yeah. It just slices <laughs> through. It's like the sun coming in. Yeah, that's cool. You love Rubber Soul too. So what's yeah, uh I like that what, what's one of yours? You know, I think I think an underrated song is Wait. And I know that that came from the Help sessions, but it's got that guitar with the volume pedal on it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, to me, I, I I always think it's a better song than Tell Me What You See. I don't know why Tell Me What You See made it onto Help, and this didn't. But I like that Weight is on Rubber Soul. To me, it feels like a Rubber Soul song. My favorite part of it is the end, that real, with the descending wah, 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 with the distorted volume pedal guitar and the uh-huh. the rattlesnake percussion. It sounds yep. so noir. It sounds so sinister to me it's like oh maybe this should have been the album closer you know what i mean and throw a run for your life onto yesterday and today yeah dave dexter you listening <laughs> um <laughs> gotta get dave dexter references all these uh but but it's true and on the american rubber soul not separated by if i needed someone wait in to run for your life it's a kind of a foreboding ending to the album yeah right well wait for revolver that that that, that paul mccartney bridge is dark and ominous. I feel as though you yeah. ought to know that I've been good, good as I can be. I love this but song. If you, it's it's a great song. And you're right, that volume pedal again, like I need you, is so effective. It's been a long time. Now I'm 
coming back home I've been away now Oh, how I've been alone uh, While we're on Rubber Soul, another favorite moment in the album is on the song Michelle. I love the what I thought was a guitar solo, but it's it's bass. It's a capoed bass. It's that melodic run that you hear on the fade out. It also happens halfway through the song. I love you. That's a bass. I, I think I found that out this year. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I don't know if I knew that. Uh, it's gorgeous though, and uh, you can't um, mention this album without mentioning this is also another one of the songs that for any other band is their biggest song ever recorded, and for the Beatles is an album track that was also on the Red album, and that's in my life. The exquisite songwriting of that, and there's different uh, there's different schools of thought. Paul has come out on more than one occasion and said. It's John's lyrics. It's Paul's music. Now, John came out and said it's John's lyrics and John's music with with a little help from Paul. But Paul, more than a few times, has said, I wrote the music. John wrote the lyrics. However you want to look at it, the beauty of that song, John Lennon was 25 at the time when he wrote that. Yeah. To have as much credit as Paul gets, deservedly so for yesterday, to me in my life is an equal if not superior song that has a a weight to it and a maturity to it that, I mean, that's, John Lennon could have written that song alone and he'd be on Mount Rushmore. That to me, we, it's almost become cliched what a gift that song is to popular music in my life. There are places I remember all my life, though some have changed, some forever, not for better, some have gone and some remain, all these places have their moments, with lovers and friends I still can recall, some are dead and some living in my life I've loved them all but of all these friends and lovers there is no one compares with you and these memories lose their meaning and I think of love as something new But when people I 
thing I want to mention, Tony, real quick, when I talked about it in my life, and uh, I listened to Rubber Soul again, the new vinyl mono from 2014. Sure. It is, do you have the mono? I have I, that. Give it a listen again sometime if it's been a while, because I've heard Rubber Soul in stereo a million times. I've heard it in mono less so, but I took my mono, the, the remastered mono from, I keep saying 2014, I may be wrong. Um, I took that remastered mono and listened to it, and uh, it's the best pressing of that album I've ever heard like that in mono. This album is astonishing. And especially that remaster, they really got right when they cut it for vinyl a few years back. Yeah, man. Yeah. Listen to the Beatles in mono for sure. Cause I was listening to this just to get my head around this episode. I was listening to what's streaming and obviously that's all the stereo stuff. And yeah, that stereo separation is just, it's just really weird sometimes when you have all the music just on the left side of your head and one tambourine on the right side of your head. <laughs> like there's many times where I'm like, ah, I just want to hear the mono version so I can hear the song, yeah. you know, not the parts. It's the stereo can be jarring. That's part of the reason that George Martin remixed rubber soul and help was to alleviate a ton of that separation. Right. He did a good job of it too, but it's not the authentic way people heard it in the sixties. Yeah. You can find those. The mono CD box set includes the original 65, uh, for the first time ever on CD, I feel like I'm working for <laughs> KTEL. All your favorite 50s hits, including the racist, sexist ones, are available for... <laughs> Here's Gene Pitney's Kick a Jew While He's Down. On... <laughs> oh, poor Gene Pitney. For the record, he did it. He never did write that song. Or sing it. I like that he didn't write it. <laughs> he, he did sing it, though. He sang so it, yeah. He, he sang it in Vegas, he, but... <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he's implicit. He did a slow version. <laughs> Don't kick a Jew when he's down. Take him to the other side of town. <laughs> that's, a, that's my Gene Pitney impression. A little more Bobby V than, yeah. than Gene Pitney. But uh, yeah, uh, man. So uh, though the, if you want to hear the original 65 versions, which are overly separated, but cool just for historical purposes, the mono box set of the Beatles CDs from a few years ago has the original 65 help and the original 65 uh, rubber sole. Good stuff. That was Collector's Corner. <laughs> <laughs> She's a woman. Take five, is it? Take seven. She don't give on 
She hates to see me cry She is happy just to hear me Say that I will never leave her She don't give for the She will never make me jealous Give me all the time as well as loving Don't ask me why She's a woman who understands She's a woman who loves a man My love don't give me presents I know that she's no present
see that woman. Well, once again, TJ, it seems like we have gone over our limit. This is going to be a two-parter. Yeah, cool. Are we off? I've got a fucking contract, and you're wasting my time. I don't do this for fun. It's part of my fucking work release. I don't even like these guys. Sorry, brah. Fucking Beatles. Dude, go with the flow, man. L.A. You've changed, S.A. You've changed. (laughs) (laughs) Got you to say (laughs) S.A. Untitled Beatles Podcast. Like and subscribe. <laughs>